just say what they said a second ago. That I don't like oysters? That everyone needs an oyster hookup person. Yeah, well, I, I have someone that is. I just unfortunately <laughs> am not a huge fan of oysters. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's common, too. I mean, my parents don't like oysters. Dave and I like oysters. I don't think your mom likes oysters, but your dad does. I like any other type of fish or clams or mussels. Those are fine. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I've actually, I've had, I don't like oysters raw. I've had them like fried or like sauteed Mm -hmm. and that's really good. So I guess I'm just weird. I don't know. No, I think it's probably a texture thing. I'm guessing. I think that's why most people don't like them. Like raw at least. They just look like a booger. <laughs> they just look like a booger and it's really gross. <laughs> it's like a, well, I guess that's different, but it could also be a texture thing. Like do, mm-hmm. if you, do you like caviar? I've never had caviar. It also, it's kind of a funny texture. Mm-hmm. It's like chewy and gooey and salty. Or is caviar like boba? Like the boba balls? Kind of. Yeah, it's like a similar texture. Yeah, I've had my parents like caviar. It's like a staple in their cuisine. Your parents are so bougie. (laughs) Well, there are different levels of caviar. Oh, okay. So there's like the most expensive kind. It's like the tiny black one, like the beluga. Mm -hmm. What's that other one? Oh, sturgeon. But then there's also the less expensive kind. It's like the orange one. Mm -hmm. And that's usually the kind my parents get. They go to like a polish or russian store and then get it in those like takeaway containers and then it doesn't like have a label on it and it's just like caviar in a takeaway (laughs) um but it's like i don't know it's like champagne or something like there's like a giant price range Mm -hmm. so you can find like not crazy expensive kinds yeah because i've looked it up in like some caviar depending on how big of a container can go for like ten thousand dollars and i'm like who spends ten thousand dollars on caviar i know it's insane (laughs) shout out to below deck that's one of the episodes one of i don't remember which one but like one of the guests requested some super expensive caviar and so they got like a bunch of it and then i think they ended up spilling some of it (laughs) they're like there goes thousands of dollars Yep. Yeah, like at that point, it's like you're just eating that much money. I also think of, I think I saw it on Ladies of London too, where one of the episodes, like for a party, they had like a huge, like huge container of caviar. Mm. And I looked it up and I was like, yep, that's like 15 grand for caviar. Cool. Yeah, at that point, I wouldn't even be able to like focus on how it tastes because I'm just thinking about how much I spent on it. That's insane. That's just like showing off at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also there's a lot of people. So like, yeah, you can understand why they got the huge container because they needed to like feed everybody. But at the same time, you're like, that was like 10 to 15 Oh no, I'm throwing a giant party. I have to get a giant thing of caviar. Yeah, why? It's like may a bathtub well. filled with caviar. Bathtub caviar. Band name. <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. But it's like, I like the taste of it, but it's not really something you want all the time it's like a like once in a while special occasion type thing but there are different ways you can have it you can have it with like sour cream on a tiny pancake thing you can have it just like straight up on black bread 
feel like there are other things you can do with caviar, but those are the main ones. That's good to know. I didn't know that, so. <laughs> yeah, I would give it a try if it's like there's somewhere reasonable or whatever or some store that has a sale on caviar. I just think of the Titanic. Oh, really? <laughs> there's a scene where like, they're going like they're at the dinner and they're just like, do you want some caviar? And Jack is just like, no, thank you. Never really liked it, but thank you. And it's like, dude, you've never had caviar in your life. <laughs> and it just looks really gross. That's all I remember. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's basically fish eggs. Yeah. So expensive fish eggs. Very expensive. <laughs> Very expensive fish eggs. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I see your parents, I'll. Ask them if they have any. <laughs> Just to try. Like, it's like instead of hot sauce, they carry yeah. caviar. Um, it's just like, hi, Mrs. Lax, you have caviar? <laughs> they didn't last time I was there, so. Maybe they only do for special occasions. The next time we're all hanging out at my parents' house, I can, like, make sure they have some so you can try it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when that would ever happen. I don't know either. <laughs> Some point, maybe. If we're all together for like New Year's, that would for sure be like a New Year's Eve food. That was champagne. That's good to know. I'm going over to your place for New Year's next year. <laughs> this year. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another fun episode of Oi with the Terror already. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra. I'm your other host, Danielle. And we are back on this fun, fun Sunday where it's hot. <laughs> like, yeah. really, really warm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to do your oi? Oh, yeah. So, you want me to? So, yeah, I don't know. We haven't decided if we're going to have a new segment name or what, but we want to. <laughs> The only thing I could come up with, but I don't think I'm crazy about it, is a oi and an ooh of the week. <laughs> I think there has to be a better name for that. I don't know. It's still brainstorming. We're still trying to figure it out. So basically trying to, like, we don't need to come up with something if nothing really amazing happened, but having either both or like one mm-hmm. an oi or ooh of the week so I, I do have actually one of each this time um my oi is that so i was told <laughs> i thought i would be totally remote the month of july because my office is moving to a different city in about a month but they're I don't know they're like 80 from the 80s or 90s like there's a bunch of stuff in this office it seems like no one really went through things until now so they basically need extra help for covering the building or helping Mm -hmm. move things or what whatever so I like had my plans made to go to the lake house try to attempt to work there remotely for like the week post for Fourth of July week, yeah, um, and it's a shorter week anyway, so it's like one advantage. So I had plans to do that, and I coordinated with my friend Leslie because we're going to visit our friend in New York and then drive straight to New Hampshire from there. And then I get a message either Thursday or Friday of this past week, and my boss messages all of us and basically is like, we need each of you to come in 
like one day for this week and it's the same week as 4th of July. <laughs> so then he just like fires off like who wants to come in on what day and it's a team's message and then people just start like typing and responding right away and I'm just like thinking to myself like oh great like how am I going to do this? So I ended up getting the Tuesday slot and I'm like freaking out and trying to coordinate with my friend Leslie because like we were planning on taking one car and it would make sense to use her car because she has to leave Lake House earlier, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't know how I was going to do this. And she's just like, oh, why don't you just take the Amtrak from uh, New Hampshire to basically the Boston area because that's where I work. And yeah, so long story short. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to take a super early train. I think it leaves like around six o'clock from New Hampshire. I think it's maybe 615, something like that. I don't know. Six something. So I'm going to basically get to Boston at around eight, seven fifty-eight, and then probably take a car to get to my office and then I'm going to take a train back that leaves at like 5.12. So yeah, that's going to be my Tuesday. That sounds like fun. I mean, it's a, it doesn't sound like it's like the worst idea. Right. And it'll definitely be better than you like driving into Boston and then driving oh, yeah. back to New Hampshire. That would be so much more of a pain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I couldn't think of a plan. And then Leslie told me to do this. And she was like, I think she actually, she's done a similar commute like that before for work yeah. stuff. And she's like, yeah, it's not that bad. And you basically yeah. just like hang out on a train. So. And at least going in, it's easy because it's going to be the last stop. So it's like, you don't have to worry about like, oh, which stop do I have to get off at? That's true. Oh yeah, that's true. And then, because you'll be probably pretty comatose, at least I usually am at like 6.15 in the morning. I know. So. Could try. Mm. No, I probably won't try to sleep. I don't know. Just read or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was slightly annoying, but it probably won't be too bad. It's only one day or whatever, and it's probably going to be super quiet in the office, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, And then I guess my ooh of the week is I went to a bridal shower today and I was slightly nervous about having to drive there because it's in a part of Boston that's kind of out of the way-ish. Mm-hmm. And I did it and it wasn't that bad. I don't know if it's just me having to drive into work in the South Boston area. So maybe I'm just becoming immune to it. I don't know. But I even had to do a tunnel part, and that seemed fine. I didn't accidentally go to the airport. So all in all, it was a success, I would say. Yeah, that's good that you didn't accidentally end up at Logan. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, Oh, and then they had games at the bridal shower. One of the games, because it was like mermaid, beachy-themed. So there were there was a jar filled with a bunch of different types of shells, like different shapes and sizes. And you're supposed to guess how many there are. And I'm like usually terrible at this, just say a random number. So I was like, I don't know, I'll do 175. Seems like a safe number. So then as like the shower is winding down, someone comes over to me and they're like, oh yeah, you picked a similar number. I was like, really? (laughs) She was like, oh yeah, it was 150. You had 175. I was like, Oh, okay. 
So, and then she gave me this, and it's, like, really pretty. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a shell, but decorated. It has, like, some kind of golden gilded thing mm-hmm. around the edge, and then it's almost like a porcelain blue and white pattern on the inside. And apparently it's, like, for putting some jewelry rings or something. Mm-hmm. So That's I was nice. like, ooh, I get a present. <laughs> That's how I felt at your bridal shower when I won one of the games. And I was like, oh, like I never oh, yeah. win. It's great. Yeah. So I guess that's probably like a typical bridal shower thing to do. Like to just have like, I don't know, people feel like they need prizes. I can say it does work. So I, I feel like bridal shower games are better than like baby shower games. Mm, do they st- still do melted chocolate in the diaper? I've seen that in movies in Sex in the City. Yeah, I think so. They didn't do that at <laughs> the one I went to, but the one I went to was for a few years ago, but we had, like, it was fun. We did, like, games and stuff, but I think the bridal shower games are a little bit more fun and a little mm-hmm. bit less insensitive because one of them was, like, at one of them I went to, it was, like, guess, like, the weight of, like, the baby. Oh, I thought you were going to say guess the weight of the bride. <laughs> That's no, just wrong. it's the weight of, like, the baby. Okay. And it's, like... I don't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's that's kind of silly. I mean, yeah. bridal bridal showers like it's more supposed to be like a risque, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I haven't been Leslie's wasn't really like that, and the one today wasn't really like that. Like, I I feel like they're not risque though because like usually the mo- the future mother in law is yeah. there, and like the mother of the bride is there. So I feel like like it's like let's not scar people for life. Maybe that's just a movie thing. Like maybe people don't actually do like give lingerie gifts like that. Yeah, I feel like that's more of like a bachelorette party thing where it's like, here's your yeah, real that's gift. True. Yeah. So mine, it's kind of in the middle. It's kind of annoying, but it's been a, like a while since it happened, so it's kind of like an ooh too. But it's also mm-hmm. like. Just a message for everybody out there that uses Lyft or Uber. Just make sure you get into the right car. What happened? So I went to visit one of my friends who moved recently. Um, and it was really late when we were le- when I was leaving and I took a lift home. And I called the lift and we were waiting downstairs in her apartment lobby for the lift to come. And it came. And I'm walking over to the lift and so is she. And we see another girl get into the lift. And then the lift drives off and my friend starts chasing the lift down the street trying to like get its attention or get the girl's attention so I end up Mm -hmm. calling the lift driver and texting them like hey you have the wrong girl in the car so about a minute passes and then I see the lift coming back to where it was supposed to pick me up and the girl is no longer in the back seat so I don't know what happened to her I'm sure she's fine I think she just got out and he was so apologetic. He was like, I'm so sorry. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for texting me. I was able to get in the car and I was able to get home. And he's like, I was like, yeah, like what, what happened with the, with the girl? And he's like, oh, like she got in. And I was like, oh, is this Sandra? And she said, yes, because she was on the phone. So I don't think she was paying attention. So I don't know if her mm-hmm. and I have the same name or a similar name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that happened where I saw another girl get into my lift. And I was like, oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> 
if you didn't tell the guy, he would have just driven this random girl to your place? To my apartment, yes. He would have driven wow. her to my apartment. And she probably would not have figured it out until it was too late. And I would have gotten charged for it. Okay, so that's her. Yeah, like, that's usually what they do. Like, you get in the car and they're like, oh, are you so-and-so? But yeah, if the person isn't paying attention, it just says, yeah, that's not good. Yes, so that is why my PSA is like, please pay attention if you take a Lyft or Uber that you're in the correct car. I thought that you were going to like go so much worse when you started that. No, but like that's the other reason too is it could have been so much worse. Like it definitely could have, but that's why it's like you need to like pay attention, Mm. like check the license plate, check the driver, check the driver's picture, like be like, yes, this is me or like, no, this is not me. Because so many horror stories happen with Uber or Lyft that start out like that and could have been so much worse. And he was a really nice driver. So, like, I gave him, like, five stars. I gave him a really good tip because he did come back and he was very apologetic. And, I mean, this okay, happened. Yeah. And it's, it was her fault, too, for not paying attention. So, but, yeah, no, the image of my friend running after the Lyft is kind of what makes it funny because it was a really – like, at the time, it wasn't funny. But, like, two weeks later, it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a funny image to have in my brain. So, yeah, where I'm just, like, frozen, like, I don't know. I know I would be like measuring how far the car was and if it'd be worth it or not yeah if it wasn't far maybe I would try but but we like just missed if I was like a minute faster I would have gotten in the car before her but we also like would like Ed and my friend lives in kind of like a weird area where it's like hard Mm. to get to so Mm. like I was really following the car in the app to like make sure they were at the right spot Mm -hmm. and yeah, so it was a whole... Wait, so you got to the car the same time as the other girl, and she just opened it and got in? I was probably 600 feet away from the car when I saw her get... When my when my friend and I saw mm-hmm. her getting in and then driving off. And I was just okay. like... And then my friend was like, call him. And I was like, okay. So I like called and texted, and he came back. But yeah, that was, that was an adventure. Oh, yeah. So it must so. have just been like you guys got a car at the same exact time. Yeah. Same exact time, probably similar model, similar color. It was dark. It was like eleven o'clock at night. So Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it just it just happened. But yeah, just PSA. Check everything on the app and check your driver and to make sure it's the, the right ironic car. thing is, I wonder if she couldn't hear the guy, because maybe she intentionally was on the phone with someone to be like, I just got in a car, I want to be safe. Yep. But then didn't hear the guy ask her if she was the right person because of that. Yep. So mm-hmm. it was just, you know, Interesting. and the, I've been taking Lyft for a long time and that's never happened before. So yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it was just an interesting, interesting way to end the I'm evening. Really glad it got sorted out. Yeah, me too. I felt horrible. I was like, I'm so like, and it wasn't even really my fault. No, you didn't do anything. But I felt bad. I was like, I'm what? so sorry. I mean, he wouldn't have brought her to your place if, like, she for sure. That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense because, like, it's not like a taxi. Like, yeah. oh, go here instead. Yeah. Like, you can, I don't think you can change it if they already have it locked in. So if it's under somebody else's account, too, because it would have been under have my account. Yeah. Yeah. So that probably, she's probably planning on going somewhere else. <laughs> so. Yep. So fun, yeah. fun time. So yeah, that's my oi and ooh because it's like it wasn't oi at the time, but now looking back, it's like it was a, it was a little bit funny. Like I'm not gonna lie, just <laughs> I can laugh about it now. I could not laugh about it when it happened. So 
There's something a little, well, not really different. I've done this before. So I actually looked at scary graveyard stories on Reddit um, just for something a little bit different. And I have about five and they're like relatively, one's a little bit long, but like they're relatively short. So yeah, I decided to do this because I haven't done like a Reddit thread in a while. And I looked back to make sure I didn't do graveyard stories already. um, And I haven't. So that's why I picked it for this week. Um, So the first one is from Haunted115. It's from four years ago. And they wrote that they've had a couple of odd experiences, but they've never seen anything in a cemetery. But they do go around to local cemeteries and take photos of the gravestones and then upload them to find to I guess there's a website called find a grave site. Their first experience happened while a friend, well, they and a friend were taking photos And they said that I knew that my ex's family had some members buried there, but I couldn't recall exactly where. As I was walking around, all of a sudden, I got a powerful chill and I had goosebumps all over me. And it was an 80 degree day. So it was a relatively warm day. I was showing my friend my arms uh, with the goosebumps and the hair standing up. And I looked down and there was the family name that I was looking for. I guess they decided to help me find them. At another cemetery, I was taking pictures of the stones and I had I got to one particular headstone and kneeled down. As I looked at the stone, I got what felt like an ice pick through the skull, blinding pain for a few seconds, and a headache that lasted for the rest of the day. It turns out that it was an infant's gravestone. I still have the photo if anyone would like to see it and to try to get a feeling from the picture. They've also said that they've wondered since it, the, if maybe the baby died from some kind of head trauma because mm-hmm. um, it was such a young baby. So there's a chance of that, but there's also just a chance that it was just a coincidence at the time. The next story is from, probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, Zani T, spelled X-O-H-N-N-Y-T-E-E, and it's also from four years ago. A friend of mine told me that he had had luck going to the cemetery with a tape recorder and talking to the graves. It's the idea that you play the tape recorder back later at a high volume and you can hear responses. Unfortunately, the only thing that they heard was a shrill scream in the background starting midway through the recording and lasting until the end. Thinking this would be interesting, some friends and I got together and tried this ourselves. The recording scared us so badly that we actually threw away the tape recorder. What was on there? My friend asked the grave, what is it like to be dead? And the response in the recording was a painful low howl. Truly, truly creeped me out. The next one is from I I Bird Take Flight, also from four years ago. I've been drawn to the paranormal since an early age. There was a small cemetery in rural Illinois that I'd go to at night to take pictures from grade school through early college. It was a fairly old graveyard, and there were graves from the 1800s, as well as people from today. There wasn't a lot of houses around either, just farms spread across cornfields. Over the years, I collected a few pictures of orbs and some mists, and a few of which can be found um, on the link that they posted. I've had quite a few experiences as a result of these visits. The one that makes me feel the least comfortable happened like this. It was a quiet night at the cemetery taking photos with my father and younger brother in the early days of my excursions out there in the dead of night. There were no strangers or anything out of the ordinary occurred while we were out there just a cool night out in the country under a billion stars. When we got home, we put my dad's SD card in the computer and discovered that he had gotten quite a good picture of a ghostly mist over a grave. Um, he doesn't have the picture, but it looks like it could have been holding like a lit cigarette under the lens, if you get the idea. Not long afterwards, our dog started barking out the window next to the computer. He barked consistently for about 20 minutes, and that wasn't odd for him to bark outside. It was just the timing. So we went outside and looked around, but there were no squirrels or anything else running around at night. 
So I went to bed and passed out. I opened my eyes to see the red digital clock read 3 a.m. on the dot. I sleep with no lights, so my room was pitch black, and over the stillness of the night, I heard this faint sliding sound. It was very smooth, like soft wood on carpet. My eyes were open, but my mind was mostly asleep, so I didn't really process the sound and went back to sleep. I woke up in the morning for school and looked at my desk in the corner of the room, the wooden chair that had been pulled out from my desk and turned to face my bed perfectly. My desk was right next to the door to my room, and if the chair wasn't pushed back, then I wouldn't be able to get out, so I always kept it in when I wasn't using it. The implication of that still gives me chills every time I think about it. The experience changed the way I approached the paranormal, since then when leaving a place after poking around, I'm always very polite but firm, but saying out loud that potential spirits are not welcome to follow me home, and it's pretty much worked ever since. I ended up having a few more strange happen and strange things happen in my room over the course of about a year. That be the occasional but very obvious feeling of a presence day and night, and one night I was wide awake in bed, and when I felt someone sat in the end of it. I made a bargain with this spirit not long after that it must stay, that if it must stay, then it can have my room for half the day when I'm gone, but must leave me alone when I'm home. I was never bothered again. That's my only experience. That's one of my experiences. I hope that this thread grows. I think it'd be cool to have a much popular themed experiences threads going. P.S. I want to note that I was 12 when it happened to me. So the notion of, of talking or bargaining with spirit seems silly, seems silly to you. That's the age where it sprung to my mind. But let me just say that it does work. And then the next one I have is from Kitten McMuffins from two years ago. So this is from a formal funeral director. One of our coworker, one of our workers cleaned up after everyone had left from a visitation or viewing or wake. And it was about 9 p.m. or later, and he saw the last guest walking around the visitation room. He went over to the escort the gentleman out when he discovered that no one was actually in there. When we came back, he, when he came back, he told us the story and described the visitor. He identified the man in a photo that we had at the funeral home, and it was my grandfather, family business, who had recently passed. And then the last one I have is from Brutal Bob 1384 and this was posted two years ago. I worked for a county cemetery department years ago. We would go to all the cemeteries in the county and mow the lawn or just do basic upkeep. Occasionally, people, mainly farmers, would stumble across headstones in a field or a stand of trees, and we would come out and prod the ground with the dowel rods to find more headstones and reestablish the cemetery. Soon after I started working there, we got a tip about some headstones a farmer found while cleaning out a path through the trees for easier access to his field. It turned out that the oldest cemetery in the county dated back to the 1700s. After investigating some of the names on the headstones, it got really creepy. The story that before the cemetery was there that there was a schoolhouse that stood there. The teachers were actually husband and wife, and it's not clear on what exactly happened, but the students and the husband and the wife all died in the schoolhouse. The information we found kind of made it seem like it was some sort of illness of some kind, and they were all quarantined in the school until they all died. After that, the school was demolished, and the students and husband and wife were all buried right there at the, where the school stood. So, yeah, I'm sure it's haunted. Hmm. So, yeah, just a little bit of, like, different ones that I thought were kind of interesting and creepy. Cool. I like the Reddit creepy stories. Reddit is good. Like, sometimes it's hard to, like, find, like, a good thread. But sometimes it's, like, super easy. So, but they're usually pretty good. And the conversations are really kind of interesting, like, what people post. So, but yeah, I thought it was just, like, kind of interesting in the one about, like, the kid that possibly had the spirit, like, follow them home. Mm -hmm. And then feeling better that they would, like, tell them, like, not to follow them. Like, that's really common that a lot of people recommend if you're in, like, a haunted place or if you think you're in a haunted place to tell them, like, they cannot touch you, they cannot follow you. 
that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it just makes you feel a little bit more protected. Yeah, it's almost like the whole vampire thing. They can't come in unless you invite them in or something. Yep. Yes, definitely. actually shared hints for this week so i have no idea what yours is okay yeah so i forgot to send a hint for this one i mean i didn't send a hint either i completely forgot but the only hint i couldn't have sent you was like a picture of a graveyard and that would have been it oh yeah and i would have been like um (laughs) what does this mean could be anything (laughs) okay so Today, we'll be covering the Hindenburg disaster. I actually know about this one. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yes, finally one that I know about. Yeah, I was, I didn't want, I wanted to do a different topic that wasn't murdery related. Yeah. So I haven't really done a, I think I have done a disaster episode. I don't even remember. I think I've done some other kind. You did the molasses one. Oh yeah, that's true. The molasses. Maybe that's the only one I've done so far. So it's definitely a like category or genre of crime or whatever I could do more in the future. So the Hindenburg was the largest airship ever built and was also considered the pride of Nazi Germany. On May 6, 1937, it burst into flames in Lakehurst, New Jersey. 36 passengers and crew members were killed as a result. The airship was also known as a Zeppelin and was invented by Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin. I guess French people made the first airship and then Germans developed it in the late 19th century. German airships were different from French airships because they had a light framework of metal girders that protected a gas-filled interior. But due to this, it was highly flammable and vulnerable to explosions. On May 3rd, 1937, the Hindenburg left Frankfurt, Germany to journey across the Atlantic to Lakehurst's Navy Air Base. The trip was supposed to be the first of 10 round trips covering round trip crossings to America. The airship had actually crossed the Atlantic previously to head to Brazil 34 times. The Hindenburg measured 804 feet from stern to bow. It was roughly the size of the Titanic, but in the air. So that's scary. There were 36 passengers with a crew of 61. Of the 97 passengers and crew, 62 survived. Interesting. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So the Hindenburg made it all the way to New Jersey. And when it was time to moor, which I guess means park or dock, 
uh, the airship suddenly burst into flames. The initial crossing was pretty uneventful besides some strong winds as it was crossing over Boston. Once nearing New York, thunderstorms and bad weather delayed the landing time. In order to avoid the storm, Hindenburg Captain Max Pruce charted a new course over Manhattan in order to wait out the storm. As the airship flew over New York City, people were so excited they ran out of their houses to watch the world's largest airship go by. By 6.22 p.m., when the storms had passed, Captain Pruce ordered his ship to go to Lakehurst, almost a day late at that point. By 7 p.m., the Hindenburg was en route to its final approach. The destination was the Naval Air Station. Because the mooring mast was equipped with a winch... If for some reason you do not know how airships are typically moored, large airships would drop their lines in a cable to run down through the mast and into the winch. It would then slowly pull the airship to the ground and the passengers would depart. This process was called a flying moor. Proust found a challenging situation when the wind started to shift and he found himself needing to make sharp left turns to keep the Hindenburg's nose pointed at the mooring mast. As the airship started to drop lower from 650 feet to 295 feet, the airship was forced to continue making hard left turns into the wind. While at 295 feet, a light rain started when the mooring lines were dropped. When it seemed like the weather was starting to calm down, the airship suddenly burst into flames at 7.25 p.m. Witnesses' accounts of the exact location of where the flames started vary. Some say it was near the top fin, while others say it was on the port side. The entire disaster was over in under 40 seconds. This was likely caused by a spark ignited in its hydrogen core. It proceeded to fall 200 feet to the ground. 13 passengers, 21 crewmen, and one civilian died as a result. Those who survived suffered significant injuries. Herb Morrison, an NBC radio producer, immortalized the disaster in a now-famous description when he declared, quote, Oh, the humanity. As the explosion took place, this was being broadcast live to tens of thousands of people over the airwaves. A recording of this was flown to New York, and it was broadcasted as part of America's first coast-to-coast radio news broadcast. So no rigid airships survived World War II, and apparently the Hindenburg was one of the last ones. According to Tom Crouch, or a curator at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum, at the time of the Hindenburg explosion, the time of airships was already past its prime. And currently, the Smithsonian Institution carries various Hindenburg artifacts. Crouch says the reigning hypothesis now is a combination of static for the reason of the explosion, is a combination of static electricity built up as the airship flew and an unusual type of dope used to cover the canvas of the hydrogen storage areas. And apparently that means paint that was rendered or paint that rendered the canvas gas impervious 
but also appears to have been highly flammable. The incendiary paint was a mix of iron oxide and aluminum impregnated cellulose, which are reactive together even after drying. Edison Bain, a former rocket scientist for NASA, thought that having this like toxic paint or whatever was the reason for the explosion. And then the Air and Space Museum has a scale model of the airship used in the 1975 movie called Hindenburg. So that's the story of the Hindenburg disaster. Yeah, it's unfortunate because honestly, like it may have been able to be prevented. Like if maybe they had different paint, like you were saying, or something else. But it's also interesting that, like you said, like, quite a few people survived it. Because you would think that something like that, everybody or most everybody would have died. I actually don't know if I knew that. Yeah, you think, like, I think whenever I heard about this, I thought, I just assumed that everyone died. But Mm -hmm. no, it's like almost half the amount of people. Hmm. Yeah, just kind of crazy. And I'm curious about the people who survived it. (laughs) Also, I was wondering if the people on this ship were Nazis, if it was like a Nazi thing. Like, who were the people that were riding it? So it says one survivor was Werner Donner, who was eight at the time of the crash. Another survivor was a cabin boy, Werner Franz, age 14. As of 2009, they were still living. And then there's a whole list of other surviving people. So it looks like there were captains. Oh, but that's basically like captain of the Hindenburg, maybe not military. Yeah. Hmm. Who were these people? There's an O'Loughlin. That's not German. A dog died on the Hindenburg. Really? Yeah. Because um, you know how like Google has like those questions, and one of them is, "Did the dog on the Hindenburg survive?" Really? And I guess like in real life, Joseph Spaz, Spah, a German mm-hmm. shepherd named Ula, was actually on the Hindenburg during its final flight and Aww. did not survive. Hmm. Um. Yeah. And I guess like, I guess it's mentioned in the movie. I guess they mentioned somebody by the name of Reed Channing. Um, he would regularly like visit his dog in the hole against company regulations. So that's a little sad that the dog didn't make it. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to see if like, because there's so much. I guess one of the survivors, Werner Franz, died in 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's, like, families, some of them, the passengers. It's, like, Mm -hmm. various people with the same last name. Yeah. But it's kind of crazy to, like, think about. Mm Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was caught on, like, a live newsreel. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that there were survivors. Mm. Because, again, you would think that, like, nobody would survive that. No. This must have been terrifying. Yeah. I don't even want to, like, imagine. It's like a show that the Smithsonian Channel does that my dad loves to watch, and it's called, like, Air Disasters or whatever. And it's about, like, if planes that, like, crash, and some survive and some don't. Like, some people survive and some don't. And they're trying to figure out, like, why they crash. And, like, 
I love watching it, but I hate watching it because it just makes me nervous. Like it doesn't provide any comfort. I guess there's a People article where they interviewed the last survivor of the crash. If anyone wants to read it. Yeah, I might read it. It's interesting. It's also kind of like sad that there are like no more people that survived that. Like they're all gone. So it happened a while ago. I mean, if there were, yeah, in 37. Yeah, they'd be like over 100 at this point. Mm-hmm. So thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Oi with the Week already. Oi with the Week? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> How long have we been doing this? <laughs> 62 times. 62. Yeah. <laughs> oi. <laughs> oh my god. Oi with the terror already. There we go. And we drop new episodes every Thursday. You can find us on Spotify, Google pa- Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Um... Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Oi with the Terror Already, and Oi with the Terror Already podcast. We will see you all next week. Bye.